Before we start the episode, I want to tell you about my new friends at Email Tool Tester. Let's face it, email is, well, a mess. But one company aims to become your email marketing buddy. Meet Email Tool Tester, the place to find reviews on the best email marketing services. What's special about Email Tool Tester is their extensive deliverability tests, so you can find out how your email marketing is performing in the market. So whether you're just starting out with email marketing or you're a pro, Email Tool Tester can help you step up your game. Learn more by clicking the link in the show notes or by visiting emailtooltester.com. This episode is sponsored by KiteWorks. Legacy managed file transfer tools lack proper security, putting sensitive data at risk. With KiteWorks MFT, companies can send automated or ad hoc files in a fully integrated, highly secure manner. The solution is FedRAMP moderate authorized by the Department of Defense and has been so since 2017. Step into the future of secure managed file transfer with KiteWorks. Visit KiteWorks.com to get started. To get the first MVP live, what I would call the first MVP is basically the first partnership that we got live, the first embedded loan product that we got live. To get it live, it took us a few months. Since we were previously already doing consumer lending, we already had a backend. We were using a low-code environment for the backend, which we can set up, which also helps a lot with iterating faster, getting something developed faster. We just built kind of a custom API layer to connect with the partner. It was very just a back and forth interaction with the other partner. It took us three months. We got it live. My name is Rain Simonowskis. I'm co-founder and CTO of Finfra. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the backhand. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. Took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. I was proud of her team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried to begin. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today, Horena Simonovskis is providing you with necessary infrastructure to enable you to seamlessly embed finance. This episode is sponsored by ClearQuery. ClearQuery is the Analytics for Humans platform. With their full suite of features, you can go from data ingestion to automated insights seamlessly. With Ask ClearQuery, you can find valuable insights into your data using plain English. Don't miss the opportunity to simplify your data analytics with ClearQuery. Get started today at clearquery.io slash code story. Reynas Simonovskis was born in Latvia. He comes from a family of exact sciences, physics, math, tech, etc., which gave him a clear path of where to go professionally. He started coding classes in middle school, but actually quit to pursue road cycling, of which he was very successful. He still rides today, nearly 200 to 300 kilometers per ride. He's worked in London, Africa, and eventually landed in Jakarta in Indonesia. And aligned with his travels, he's an adventurous foodie. In the past, Reynas and his co-founders noticed that no one was approaching embedded finance in Indonesia. At the same time, he was seeing other companies be successful 
at this very thing in the U.S. and other countries, and they started to realize the magnitude of the opportunity. This is the creation story of Finfra. So firstly, what we do is we allow anybody to start lending. We believe in what Anderson Horowitz says, that any business is going to become a fintech business soon enough. Going with that thesis, we've also seen, especially in Southeast Asia, most businesses are fundraising their series A, B rounds with the promise that in, let's say, three to five years, they're going to start lending. But we figure most of them are not going to be well equipped to do that. So we figured we might as well be the ones who are going to provide the infrastructure and going to help them to do it from providing regulatory cover, from providing loan management system, loan servicing, setting up introductions with lenders that can provide the capital, basically the whole suit. So then we work directly with other founders, managers of other companies that have another key product and help them integrate lending as a value-add service, which can help them improve their retention, customer lifetime value, as well as provide an additional revenue stream. As I mentioned before, initially moved over to Indonesia to start a consumer lending company. We did that for a while, but we saw that for consumer lending here, the potential is becoming more and more limited. And we saw the big strides in uh, embedded lending. We saw the likes of Ant Finance in China, the likes of Unit in the US, the likes of Solaris Bank in Europe, moving in towards the uh, embedded finance direction. We didn't see anybody seriously doing that yet in Indonesia. Even though it's the fourth largest population in the world, we thought we could have an early mover advantage. That's basically how we pivoted from the previous consumer finance to embedded lending infrastructure, what we do now. Okay, let's dive into the MVP then, to that first version of the product you built. How long did it take to build and what sort of tools were you using to bring it to life? To get the first MVP live, what I would call the first MVP is basically the first partnership that we got live, the first embedded loan product that we got live. To get it live, it took us a few months. Since we were previously already doing consumer lending, we already had a backend. We were using a low-code environment for the backend, which we can set up, which also helps a lot with iterating faster, getting something developed faster. We just built kind of a custom API layer to connect with the partner. It was very just a back-and-forth interaction with the other partner. It took us three months. We got it live. We're not the bank itself. We basically operate on a P2P lending basis. We're going to connect the platforms that work as uh, distribution channels, which could be, let's say, construction material websites or supply chain platforms, mostly platforms that operate with a lot of businesses, as uh, mostly what we give is going to be business loans. And on the other end, we're going to connect with either a regional credit fund or a bank that is going to provide the capital And in that case, we set up whoever is going to be the lender as a lender in our backend. So we we don't have to always directly connect through APIs. It can also be without an API connection to the lender. But if necessary, we do set up a data stream transfer to update the lender about all of their loans that they currently have active. Okay, so as you're building that first version, you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs and in the short term, right? And so you've already got this product you created and then you're you're pivoting towards Jinfra. 
How, tell me about some of those decisions and trade-offs you had to make as far as, you know, approach or feature cut or, you know, any sort of limitations you had to put on yourself and how did you cope with those decisions? Number one thing definitely would be that we've taken a sales-driven product development approach. Whatever we see from what we have in the sales pipeline, that's going to be what we're developing. Especially in the early days, it's going to be based on each new client. That's what we're going to develop. So that creates lots of technical depth. It creates a lot of inconsistencies between different integrations. And that's something that we're paying the price for now as currently we're standardizing everything in terms of the APIs that we have with each partner. Let's say the loan product setups that we have with each partner. That's what currently we need to be doing. So it's definitely a trade-off. It's not something we regret because there's, I think, two reasons to do it that way. Number one is last few years, there's been a difficult fundraising environment. So I don't think we, we would have the time to go in a cave for half a year or a year and try to develop the perfect product and then go out to try to sell it. We basically wouldn't have the runway for that. Number two is that in a novel industry like this with embedded lending, that's just not going to be a good approach because you need to get constant feedback. There aren't best practices established. And even if there are, the best practices are going to be specific for one country because this is lending and there's going to be a lot of country-specific differences because of regulation. So we see the only option we had, but it's also the better option as then week to week with your live partners, with your sales pipeline, you can get instant feedback from them and understand in what direction you need to be developing the product. And now after, after a while, now we've got a better idea on what, what has to be the general structure so that we can build it out. And next year and the year after, then it's going to be a lot easier already onboarding the next wave of our partners. This episode is sponsored by Cashfly. The web is a competitive place. And if your site delivers its content pixelated, slow or not at all, well, then you lose. But that's where Cashfly comes in. Cashfly delivers rich media content up to 159% faster than other major CDNs. Through ultra-low latency streaming, lightning-fast gaming, and optimized mobile content, the company offers a variety of benefits. For over 20 years, Cashfly has held a track record for high-performing, ultra-reliable content delivery. While competitors call themselves fast or use cute animal names... Only Cashfly holds the record of being the fastest and serves customers like Adobe, the NFL, or Roblox, where content is created by users and must be delivered in real time. For the first time ever, Code Story listeners can get a 5-terabyte CDN for free. Yep, you heard that right, free. Learn more at cashfly.com slash codestory. That's C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com slash codestory. This episode is sponsored by KiteWorks. Legacy managed file transfer tools are dated and lack the security that today's remote workforce demands. Companies that continue relying on outdated technology put their sensitive data at risk. And that's where KiteWorks comes in. KiteWorks MFT is absolutely the most secure MFT on the market today. It has been FedRAMP moderate authorized by the Department of Defense since 2017. Through FedRAMP, KiteWorks level of security compliance provides a fast route to CMMC compliance, saving customers time, effort, and money. KiteWorks MFT makes it easy for users to send automated or ad hoc files via fully integrated shared folders and email. 
Administrators can manage policies in a unified console and create custom integrations using their API. Did we mention it's secure? The level of security with KiteWorks Solution is rare to find. Step into the future of secure managed file transfer with KiteWorks. Visit KiteWorks.com to get started. That's K-I-T-E-W-O-R-K-S dot com. You've got the MVP. It's working. How are you going to progress the product from there? How did you and how are you maturing? And I think to wrap that question in a box a little bit, what I'm looking for is how you built your roadmap. How do you go about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Thinkbra? I would say it's still going to be sales driven, just taking a little bit of a step back. If initially it was looking immediately what's in our sales pipeline, who we're talking with, then going forward, how we do it is we look at our ICPs, ideal customer profiles. We already do sales outreach. We understand what's the potential market size in each of our ICPs, be it logistics platforms, be it agri-tech platforms. We're going to understand where's the biggest demand, where's the biggest uh, market potential, and we're going to be building the product for that industry, that product, so that in a few months' time, once the sales funnel is going to be progressing with that ICP, that's where we're going to have the easiest, smoothest onboarding and a personalized product for that industry. Now you're saying we, tell me about how you go about building your team and what do you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you? Since we're still in an early stage, we've still got a small team. Our tech team is currently 12 people looking for self-starters, looking for somebody who can take ownership Nobody can be hyper-specialized. People have to be able to look at a problem and say, okay, it might be difficult to solve, but if we put the time into it, we can solve it rather than saying, I don't know how to do it, just seeing it as a challenge. Yeah, okay, it's doable, just might be a bit difficult. Overall, I'll always be looking, let's say during interviews as well, if I'm going to enjoy spending time with that person, not too picky on any specific traits. Usually, if a person is ambitious enough, I I don't care about any weird personality traits and whatever background anybody comes from. If you're coming to my team and you're looking to come here to develop as a person and understand the industry better, I'm sure we'll have a great time working together in the team. I try to live it myself, of course. I'm making sure that my most senior team members as well would be showing the same example. Say ownership, that's also the value of our company. So that's something we'll be re-emphasizing in company events is with culture and values. It's the name of the game is repetition and you just gotta drill it in everybody's head. So I would say with that, otherwise I do try not to micromanage. It's not too difficult for me not to micromanage since I'm involved in tech as well as sales and product so I don't have too much time to micromanage so I do try to delegate larger and larger tasks and projects to to everybody in the team to also provide a growth path in terms of the kind of responsibility they can take on so let's flip to scalability then and this will be this will be interesting given you mentioned you started on a no-code product. Um, you know, you're 
you're working with money, right? And so as you grow, scalability is is something that has to be a factor for everyone. But in fintech, if, if things trip, that can be, you know, customer perception can be um, also tripped with it. So how did you build this to scale? Was it built to scale efficiently from day one or with scale in mind? Or have you been fighting this in any sort of areas as you grow? Hello, welcome to the Data Analytics Club. Do you know the password? No, I didn't know there was one. Do you know how to code? Uh, no. Do you know how to query data? Like, ask a question? I guess not. Hmm, I see. Then you can't be in this club. Sorry, goodbye. Don't be left out of the Analytics Club. ClearQuery is the Analytics for Humans platform. With their full suite of features, you can go from data ingestion to automated insights seamlessly. ClearQuery provides you with the information you need without requiring you to do the heavy lifting. Their Ask ClearQuery feature allows you to ask questions in plain English, helping you find relationships and connections in your data that may have previously gone unnoticed. You can even visualize your data with presentation mode, taking your data storytelling to the next level. Pricing is based on storage, not licenses, and that ensures that you get the most bang for your buck. Don't miss the opportunity to simplify data analytics, your data analytics, with ClearQuery. Get started today at clearquery.io slash codestory. This episode is sponsored by Cashfly. The web is a competitive place, and if your site delivers its content pixelated, slow, or not at all, well, then you lose. But that's where Cashfly comes in. Cashfly delivers rich media content up to 159% faster than other major CDNs. Through ultra-low latency streaming, lightning-fast gaming, and optimized mobile content, the company offers a variety of benefits. For over 20 years, Cashfly has held a track record for high-performing, ultra-reliable content delivery. While competitors call themselves fast or use cute animal names, only Cashfly holds the record of being the fastest and serves customers like Adobe, the NFL, or Roblox, where content is created by users and must be delivered in real time. For the first time ever, Code Story listeners can get a 5-terabyte CDN for free. Yep, you heard that right, free. Learn more at cashfly.com slash codestory. That's C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com slash codestory. Not everything was built to scale. As I mentioned, we've made some decisions that initially we were making everything customized for each partner and now we're standardizing it. So that was the one thing that's not built for scale, but especially with lending, you're correct. That's always a challenge to set everything up for scale. As other than loan origination, we also take care of loan servicing, AKA collections. We do have a small in-house team But what we make sure is that we work with a lot of partners so that we can outsource most of the operational stuff. As we don't want to grow into a collections company, we want to grow into a tech company. So that's a decision we've taken early on. In terms of doing sales, that's what we're working on now so that once once we sign a deal, we can onboard somebody in a week's time rather than three months time. Well, Redis, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? Most proud of would be the team. We've grown from 
doing simple, completely custom solutions, or even no, we've grown initially from a consumer lending product where we were building just our own products to currently managing seven partners and being able to improve from an initial three month onboarding time to currently even being able to onboard some partners within a week and aiming towards how eventually we can be able to onboard partners also within a day. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. I'd say one of the most painful things has been when we go too fast with an integration, specifically one partner last year, we worked for a month on it, ready to launch, go big. It was actually an integration with one bank here. But in the end, while we were integrating, the service contract didn't get signed. They had a change in direction and we didn't go live. The most painful it is for the team, as I'm sure you know that a lot, for all developers, if they're working on something hard, doing overtime, working on weekends, and then suddenly the thing just gets put in the trash bin, that's the most most horrible thing there is. The response for that us is we actually we're readjusting the sales process to make sure that's not possible. We had it happen multiple times, but this was the most extreme one that we already work on something and then it doesn't go live because of a business decision. So we're readjusting. We need to have some kind of commitment for a commercial agreement before we we're ready to start doing integration work. Well, this will be fun. And I'm sure there's a lot of exciting things to talk about here, but what does the future look like for the product and for the team? We're, we're expanding the range of modular lending services available. Our vision in Indonesia is to enable lending. And our strategy to, uh, is that the best way to do that is via embedded lending, as it provides better risk management and lower end borrower acquisition costs. So my job basically is to streamline and diversify the ways that partners can integrate with us and so diversifying the types of loan products we can offer. What we're currently we're currently working on is we would have uh, three different ways how you can integrate with us. Basically, you could do it manually via a website or you can do it via APIs or you can do it with, with widgets. Each use case is for different type of partners, different types of stages. So you might use one way for a pilot and then you might use do something different for full production as you want to use the lightest possible way for a pilot where you just want to try out giving 10, 15 loans and something else when you want to make that best uh, possible user experience for your customers. And in terms of the team, we've hired some amazing engineers really this year who can execute really fast. So my job is now as well to expand the product team so that they can help them run even faster so they can drive the engineer team and they can guide us in the correct direction. It's not an easy job since we're an infrastructure product. Most of everything is API based. It's not a, a beautiful front end that you can design and build out. It's mostly structural things and thinking of how and where data is flowing, making sure everything is legal under the regulatory environment. and then. It's 
not easy for everybody to grasp, let alone present as a vision to others. That's, I would say, the main expansions coming in our team is in product as well as data engineers. As That's where we'll, we're going to be building out some additional products and features for our partners. Let's switch to you, Reynas. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. I've got a lot of friends from back home in Latvia that are also entrepreneurs, especially one I remember from 10 years ago back in Latvia when he already had an up-and-coming startup. He already knew clearly where his startup was going and what his product must develop. So that was, I think, my first experience to see somebody close up being an excellent founder. Uh, Me, myself, at that time, not even considering anything like that, not considering that I would be capable of anything like that. And he's always given great advice, as I remember already back then, when I was starting out my own business, that he was mentioning that the most important thing, if you're looking for your first round of investors and overall looking for good advice, it's always most important to set up a good network of mentors in all of your key areas. It would take a while until I would properly appreciate how good of an advice that really is. So we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what'd you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? Doesn't necessarily have to be something that that didn't work. Um, could have been something that worked well, but maybe you tweak it a little bit. From before we had Finfra, when we still had the consumer lending business, we had some other lending entrepreneurs who were more experienced in the field already from Europe, who offered to do a small investment, but as well as provide advice and resources to take a substantial stake in the business. We didn't go for it because we thought that we they were offering us not the best deal, but looking back at it, probably regretting it a bit because I can see how we could have saved a lot of time in terms of not making as well as many mistakes and utilize the market opportunity a lot more. As overall, my takeaway from the experience is that time is the most valuable thing. And if you can see an opportunity that you can achieve the same result a year faster or even half a year faster, it's a huge value in the startup world as time to market is everything. And if you lose even a few months of a market opportunity, it's lost forever because especially now in the age of AI, market tendencies develop very quickly and we shouldn't assume that the market model that we're working towards is going to last forever. So if you can spend less time developing something, more time utilizing the market opportunity, it's a lot of value and you should never underestimate it. While at that time I was just thinking, Okay, it's just going to take us a bit longer, maybe, but we'll figure it out ourselves. We did figure it out ourselves, but the opportunity is lost in some way. Reynas, last question. So you're getting on a plane, and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice to give that person, having gone down this road a bit? I would suggest the person to get good advisors, mentors, find smarter people than yourself to work with. As I said, my friend already gave me that advice a long time ago. For me, it took too long to listen to. 
So I would recommend it to the next person as well, hoping that he would be smarter than me and listen to me faster than I did to my friend. <laughs> That's fantastic advice. Well, Reynas, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Finfra. Awesome. Thanks a lot. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. <laughs>